0: This podcast episode is brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network, where you get your healthcare insights from the most inspiring healthcare podcasters. Welcome to the Marketing Mondays podcast, where we explore how we can make your offerings stand out in the health and wellness space. Through conversations with thought leaders and innovators in health and wellness marketing, we'll discuss marketing best practices, case studies, and innovative ideas to help scale your business and grow revenues with impact. I'm excited to be your host. My name is Andrea Borcha, I'm a fractional CMO and owner of the Dia Creative Marketing Agency. everyone and welcome back to another episode of Marketing Mondays. I'm your host Andrea Borges, CMO of Dia Creative, and I am excited to bring you Adam Rosenberg, Senior Director of Marketing for Arrive Health. Thanks Great for being on the podcast. Yeah. I'm super excited. So, let's start off by really simple, like what is Arrive Health? Who's your target market and how do you fit into the giant healthcare landscape?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so Arrive Health is a reimagined company the company started about 10 years ago as Rx Review, uh, and we were really a prescription price transparency vendor. So we were bringing coverage and cost information from PBMs directly to EHR workflows. Across the last couple of years, we realized there's so much more complexity and so much more we can do beyond the pharmacy side of the house and the pharmacy benefits. So we've expanded into medical benefits and prior authorization and all of these different areas and knew that we needed to not only change the name of the company, but reimagine what we were capable of. So today we work with health plans, PBMs of all sizes. They provide us with their data and we deliver that data through to provider workflows. Typically that's within the EHR. And what that allows for is better conversations with patients about costs, lower cost alternatives, restrictions, and really just care planning in general. So our our mission is to clear the way for better health and get patients on the most affordable care every time.
0: I love that. I'm wondering if you you found as you were expanding your offering, was it more that people were appreciative of the transparency you were originally offering? Or did you see what a lot of people see is that there's like an efficiency problem in healthcare and understanding information?
1: Yeah, it it really is both. Um, So the transparency is really where the, the origin of the company started. So we just wanna get the information to the right place at the right time, both patients and providers just didn't have the information on what drugs were covered, what care was covered under their insurance plan. So if I was to go into a doctor, they might prescribe a medication without knowing if it was covered. I would end up going to the pharmacy and that drug may cost me $600 that month. If my doctor had information about what was covered under my specific insurance plan at that moment in time, and view the alternatives, they would be able to prescribe or order the lower cost option. So the transparency is is really critically important. The other uh, part of your question is just about kind of simplifying the complex and reducing friction. And we are trying to do that as well. So we have a, a clinical team on staff, primarily pharmacists and nurses, And they are making sure that the data we send from the PBMs and health plans is clinically relevant and meaningful for the doctors. So there's a lot of noise that has been within the EHR, and we're trying to reduce that. So we're not uh, necessarily showing lower-cost alternatives for 90 days of an antibiotic. Right, That is not a, a medication that a doctor would ever want to prescribe. That would be noise in the EHR. So it really is both transparency and reducing friction and noise.
0: Do you feel like with your current offering that it would have been something you could have introduced natively or did it help that you had already built all these relationships with your initial offering?
1: It's a really interesting question. So many years ago, the initial um, company vision was to build a standalone app and help with clinical decision support help doctors and, and nurses and care teams choose the best option for their patients. What we quickly realized with some of our partners, primarily with UC Health out in Colorado, they're uh, one of our key innovation partners, and we were working on on this initiative with them, we found out that, to no one's surprise, looking back, doctors dislike friction, dislike leaving their workflow. So we knew we needed to be integrated within the the EHR. The great news is we have really strong relationships with our EHR partners. So we currently work with Athena Health, Cerner, and with Epic, and we're fully integrated into those workflows. So the provider does not need to leave their EHR window, whether that's via a browser or in its own application, they don't need to leave that application to view the cost and coverage information. Everything is seamless and we're using Fire APIs to make sure that the, the, the data is real time and accurate and, and presented within the workflow.
0: Yeah, that's really smart. I'm wondering if almost that that's the best tactic for any company that's trying to improve EHR functionality, right? Is like you just start with one little offering that seems like a nice sweet carrot and they mm-hmm. they jump in. And then you're like, by the way, here's all this other data that we can put in. And we're already connected and we're already here. So, right.
1: yeah, there, there are like, a number. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of opportunity for us to expand. And that's exactly what we've been doing. We work with our EHR partners. Historically, uh, we worked with them on the prescription price transparency side, and we're expanding into other medical benefits, prior authorization, gaps in care alerts. So once we have the connection to the PBM data, we can turn on additional pipelines of data for the health plan information.
0: Nice, With so then from a marketing perspective, are you doing more for anyone new that isn't working with you yet? Are you doing more like, cold outreach directly or are you leveraging Epic, etc., Athena, to let their customers know that you are an available add-on?
1: It's a really great question and it, it does get a little bit complex, so I'll, <laughs> of I'll take it step-by-step. Uh, step. We have enterprise-level agreements with certain EHRs. So For Cerner and Athena Health, we make our tool available to any of their users so their users can view cost and coverage information within within the workflow. Nice. Epic is so unique and large that while we have a partnership with them, they've given us the opportunity to turn on within any of their health system clients. So we need to go health system by health system to partner with the health system and then activate our solution within their EHR. So a little different based on the EHR partner, whether or not we're visible within that workflow.
0: Interesting. So with these individual health systems, how do you approach that? How do you figure out like, what, how do I open the door? How do I know the right marketing messaging that's going to work? Are you finding it's similar for all these health systems or do you have to build unique for each health system?
1: Yeah, it's been really interesting. So across the last three years, as we've developed our brand and transitioned to kind of broader, Price transparency, coverage information, and and presenting it within the workflow—we've really needed to distill our messaging for the various audiences that that applies to. We'll always start with, or have always started with, prescription price transparency. It's the most simple for people to understand. There's clear value. Um, A lot of health systems have relationships with in-house pharmacies or PBMs or payers, so that area is is the most straightforward for us. Um, and we have messaging specifically for chief pharmacy officers, directors of pharmacy, those who oversee kind of the pharmacy workflow and operations. That being said, um, the other people typically get involved because there's installation within the EHR. So often a CIO is involved. And then often uh, someone over the medical informatics or just the medical team in general is involved because there is a training component. We display the cost and coverage information automatically, but there are one or two additional clicks that are needed to to switch the medication from a high cost option to a low cost option. So there needs to be buy-in from a lot of different stakeholders um, to make sure we're kind of pushing our pursuits uh, across the finish line and making sure we can activate the solution successfully.
0: Definitely. When when you're having to do any sort of more complex buy-in before you can get sign-off, are you finding that you have like an internal champion within that health system that helps you mm-hmm. make those connections or is it still mostly the burden on your, on your sales and marketing team?
1: Yeah, we typically have. A specific kind of champion at the health system that we will try to work closely with. We'll kind of leverage them as our main point of contact to distribute um, any content, any materials, any value or propositions that that we have, and the benefits to their to their team specifically. What we're trying to move toward is involving more people who might be involved in the buying committee earlier in the journey. So if we know our past 20 clients who have signed on, we've always needed sign on from a CIO. Let's bring the CIO into the conversation early on and provide them with the flyer, the one pager, maybe give them a recording of the pitch and walk them through the implementation process just to ease the decision at the end of the day, because what what has been seen across the industry is you might have a buy in. There's huge, um, there's really a lot of excitement around it. But then when they get to the decision making table with 10 other people, uh, you haven't gotten everyone sign off and the deal might not go through. So we're really trying to bring those other people in earlier on so that we can uh, win more deals.
0: And ideally, shorten the sales cycle too, right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Instead of having to start all over again once you get the new committee. Involved. Exactly. Yeah. That's funny. Um, so, it sounds like a lot of your marketing process then is more of like a sales support process. Are you using any more traditional marketing channels like social media, email marketing, I don't know, even website conversion optimization?
1: Yeah, it, it's a really great question and really applicable right now. As I mentioned, we transitioned from Rx review to Arrive Health uh, this year. And I think what that has required of the marketing team is to support sales, um, really make sure the content is in a good spot, make sure our messaging is really aligned. That doesn't mean that we've forgotten about the general marketing tactics that everyone is familiar with. So we attend a good number of conferences uh, every single year, both higher level, CEO level conferences, but also regional conferences have been really beneficial. But yes, we're doing organic social media, paid advertising on LinkedIn, Google. We're also doing email marketing. We use Salesforce and Pardot for that. And a number of other things, right? To just make sure our brand is out there and people are familiar with us. I always kind of go back to something I heard a decade ago at this point. It takes seven to, to whatever, 15 times... For someone to see your brand or to uh, see a message before they really engage, so we don't want to just put our brand out there and set it and forget it. We want to people. We want to be in people's inboxes, be where they are in terms of healthcare news sites and advertising. But then the sales team can really drive the, the opportunity home.
0: Right, you become something that's just inherently in their brain, and they don't know how. And so when your sales team reaches, it's like, oh yeah, I've heard, I've heard of exactly. a rifle. Well, let's yep. talk. Uh, have there been any interesting surprises that you've seen that actually worked really well across those marketing channels, something that really stood out?
1: So LinkedIn advertising has been really interesting across the last couple of months. Uh, we redesigned all of our ad assets, so new colors, new logo, new branding, new messaging, and we added more specific targeting into LinkedIn advertising. So. Like I mentioned before, we have the supply side of our network, which is the health plans and PBMs, and the demand side, which is our health systems and EHR partners. We've added in specific accounts that we want to send these ads to. So we're still measuring how many clicks we get, how many impressions we get, um, and how many form fills we get, but just the overall engagement from these specific accounts is really interesting. And what the big topic is that I've heard this year and across the last couple of years in healthcare marketing is uh, intent data and knowing which accounts are important to reach out to at, at a specific time. And LinkedIn can be a huge part of that because we know a specific health system saw our ad 500 times and 12 people clicked. Right, so we know exactly that that account could be high priority for our sales team. So we're we're leveraging LinkedIn not only to get our message out there, but also as a signal for intent
0: data. That's super cool. I, I love that uh, healthcare marketing is getting to the point where we can finally start using that kind of help marketing data, as yeah. well as like e-commerce companies have been using it for the last fifteen right. years. Right. right. So. When you're doing that, then are you also like mapping out the user journey in the sense of like marketing touch points? So, you know, yeah, like LinkedIn ads, now that you can see specifically that company, like, does that fall pretty early on in their journey with you? Or do you just kind of keep hitting them even while you're like in committees later on?
1: Yeah, so we're very much in the early stages of building out the alignment between marketing and sales in regards to the journey that a prospect might go through. So we we talked about content a little bit earlier. My plan for the rest of this year, uh, especially because we've rebranded everything, we kind of have to redesign a lot. It's to make sure that there is content specific to each persona at every stage of the sales process or opportunity journey. So a pure prospect that we've never spoken with, they'll be seeing our ads, they'll be getting our emails. Hopefully we can see us, they can see us at conferences, things like that. Um, And as people engage, as people click, come to our site, um, we need more specific content for those personas. And it could be blogs, webinars, uh, infographics, things like that. And as you're probably aware, demos and other sorts of content as you get further down the funnel. So we're still building out that process of who should be receiving what and when, but we're definitely on on our
0: journey there. That's going to be a lot of fun to dig into with all that analytics and yeah. So conferences now are coming back and they're coming back yeah. strong, from what I can tell. Yeah. Uh, are you uh, have you done anything interesting there to like grab people's attention? Because you know a lot more people are coming out. There's a lot more booths than there used to be.
1: Yeah, um, conferences comes up in in a lot of our conversations uh, internally. We're really trying to figure out the best approach. We've been involved just this year in some larger events like hymns and VIVE and, and, and Health, where there's tens of thousands of people and we're trying to make a splash. And we've been involved in much smaller events where it's a very targeted focused group of, of audience members. We have personally found value um, in events that are very targeted in topic or group, um, so we're, we're involved in a, a pharmacy collaborative, and there's maybe only twenty or thirty attendees, but we have one. On, we can get one-on-one time with all yeah. of them. Um, so that type of interaction is incredibly valuable for our commercial team. Regional events we're starting to look into as well. Um, if if you know there's three or five states where there's kind of a central grouping of hospitals or EHR vendors or plans even, we can try and attend those to get better penetration in that area. I think that the key to all of the conferences that we've been to is do your homework. (laughs) Do whatever you can to get the registration list. Without it, you're kind of just flailing about, trying to meet with people. I know a lot of salespeople are social, but you don't have any idea who might be there. So some of the larger conferences like HIMSS or Health where we get, we're a sponsor, so we get the registration list. We at least know which accounts and which contacts we want to try and meet with.
0: That makes such a difference. It does sound like you make a lot more impact in getting involved in lots of micro communities rather than the macro Uh, and the macro is more of like, you still have to hunt down to a smaller grouping.
1: Yeah, I think micro-marketing, it's, it's funny you bring that up. It's a term that came up in a call I had recently about specific accounts and marketing to one-on-one accounts at a specific moment in time. Maybe an account is in a health system, is in the news for a particular reason. You reach out to them specifically that day. So I consider that micro-marketing or one-to-one marketing. I kind of think the larger events are a great brand awareness play, your brand could get in front of 5,000 people, but you're never certain those 5,000 people are the right person or they're going to remember your name or your, or your brand or know who to go to or know exactly what you do. Um, we've had digital signage at events. We've put bags in the or put items in the giveaway bags. We've done all sorts of things, but it's really hard to quantify the uh, return on those things. So, we're thinking of pulling back in that area a little bit, trying to get a much more relationship-driven approach to our events so we know who's gonna be there, we have goals of who we wanna meet with, and we can really measure that um, after the conference is over.
0: Yeah, conversations are so much more powerful than tchotchkes, although, yeah. I'll admit that I absolutely love getting like little keychains and t-shirts and things <laughs> all this Yeah,
1: stuff. I, I do Such have some things. I have some things on my desk. I have someone gave me a light bulb, oh. uh, which is cool, That's like a Wi Fi light bulb. I have a lunchbox. <laughs> yeah. so there's, there's lots of cool things you can give out. But again, I don't know if it really makes me want to buy uh, or yeah. partner with them.
0: You're just like that. You're now. You're just a cool thing that's sitting on my desk for a little while. <laughs> I yeah, appreciate it, it.
1: Until I give it away to someone else.
0: Yeah, exactly. Um, so overall, uh, where do you see healthcare marketing going? Do you see any major changes and shifts in the next, uh, you know, two to five years, ten years, maybe?
1: Yeah. So I I attended an ABM, a B two B ABM conference uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was not healthcare specific. It was all industries and it was fascinating. The things that other industries are able to do in terms of targeting and leveraging intent data uh, and really getting in front of the right audience at the right time, that really excites me. and But I think healthcare lags a little bit. I mean, there's a lot of complexities in healthcare as everyone knows, but I think getting in front of a buying committee at a hospital or a health system or a health plan It's just incredibly difficult. A health system could have 10,000 employees and five matter. And a lot of these ABM companies say that they can get, get your ads in front of the right people or get your messaging in front of the right people. And I think some healthcare organizations have been able to be successful with them. But I think there's going to be this evolution over the next couple of years where we're truly able to advertise to the right people, get all of the right people in the buying committee involved in the conversation sooner and really progress opportunities through the pipeline in a more strategic way instead of healthcare is and will always be relationship driven, but you can't just rely on a relationship with one person. You need to involve the group and we need to figure out how to do that uh, a little bit more efficiently.
0: Yeah, and even prep your internal champion to be more successful because you've integrated better and you've already had a right. couple of touch points. Right. Yeah, that I think better in- integration of the data. Honestly, I mean, in healthcare, better integration of the data is what we're all striving for anyway with our solutions. Exactly. <laughs> um, so might as well bring that into the marketing. Well, cool. Adam, that is awesome. I had a lot of fun talking. If there's any, uh, where can people find more information about Arrive Health?
1: Yeah, so arrivehealth.com is the website, newly designed website. So check it out. Congratulations! Um, and we're also on LinkedIn, so you can follow us there. Search for Arrive Health, formerly RX Review. Nice.
0: Well, thanks so much, Adam, for being on Marketing Mondays. I'm your host, Andrea Borcia, and thanks so much. So that's
1: awesome. That. Thank you so much. That was <laughs> awesome.
0: Thanks again for listening to Marketing Mondays. If you have any marketing questions at all, feel free to reach out to me directly at diacreative.com. That's D-I-A creative.com. This episode was brought to you by the Outcomes Rocket Network. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, make sure you leave us a rating and review, subscribe, and let us know what you're looking for.